Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, and welcome to the Bechdel Cast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Jamie. And we're here to talk about movies and how they portray women. That was great. Yeah, that was like the most succinct I've ever done it. I know. It used to take us five minutes. Oh, man. We are growing. Thank you so much. We're thank growing you, thank as you, thank people. You. Yeah. Oh, how's your day? My day has been uh, okay. Oh, so I went out for a jog. I jog. Not wow, to brag. brag. And I, saw, I ran... Past a guy who was chugging a box of Frenzia on the sidewalk. <laughs> and I was like, that's unusual. And then I ran between him and a car, and there was someone in the car filming him. So I was like, that makes more sense. He's doing it for like a bit. Someone's filming him. I get it. But like for a split second, I was like, why is this guy just chugging a box of Frenzia yeah. on the sidewalk in Los Angeles? Do you Pilas? think it was real? Like a real Franzia? Well, I, I guess it'd it, be more work to just... Yeah, yeah I mean, you'd have to empty it. out the bag, fill it with what, water or whatever. Why do that? Why, why not just, just chug, chug Franzia? I burned myself out on that. In, I, I did that a, a couple times in college. And now I just associate it with the smell of the basement apartment I used to live in. Mm. Can't do it anymore. Yeah, not that it's great wine to begin with. No. My day was bad. I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. Let's start the episode. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> we are here with a uh, wonderful guest. She is a comedian. She is a cellist. True story. She also has a, a, a show here at Nerd Melt in Los Angeles, California. Nina Daniels. Yay. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Bye. <laughs> we did it. We did it. We, uh, we're talking about a movie called Hidden Figures. I've heard of it. Talk to us about, when did you see this movie? I mean, it came out, you know, not long ago, a few months ago. I actually saw it, um, no, I saw it through, um, SAG Awards in my living room on my laptop. How fancy. Yeah, because when you're in SAG, they give you, um, screeners. Mm -hmm. Nice. So that was one of the screeners that I, um, watched and completely fell in love with this movie mm-hmm. so good yeah i saw it in the theater by myself i wish i had seen it in the theater yeah it was great i uh so i um go to the movies by myself often and who knows why well i'll, I'll talk to you it's about a nice it with my, thera- with my therapist yeah <laughs> it is. no it's very it's very therapeutic for me to go to the movies by myself um but here's the thing i don't let myself get emotional in public like i and it's another thing i need to talk to my therapist about do i even have a therapist no i don't i should make an appointment <laughs> but 
I have a really hard time. Like, I can't let people see me cry. And this movie made me so emotional. I was, like, on the verge of tears the entire time because I'm just like, oh, these women, they're being mistreated and all this injustice. They're uplifting each other. And and I was, like, just nearly crying the entire time. And I was like, I can't, but I can't let anyone see me cry. I couldn't be you. <laughs> Literally a commercial makes me cry. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I'll be but, like, and, because I love you. I'm like, oh, it's so, so weak. I cry all everybody laughs at me at movies because they just they see something and everybody just looks at me to see if tears are coming down <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm uh i'm very uh, i repress my emotions and it's not healthy i, I don't but that's good yeah I let, I, should, I let it all hang i should repress mine maybe a little bit more it's yeah. it interferes with your life <laughs> really it gets into, well i mean sometimes it's like man i gotta take a I got to take a walk sometimes just to like walk off my emotions Mm. and then return to, I don't know, today my therapist was like, I think you should spend the weekend inside and wear beta blocker sunglasses. (laughs) Anyways, let's talk about the movie. Uh, So yeah, I saw it in the theater the first time. I, I really loved it. I thought it was great. Jamie, when did you see it? I saw it last week, and I really, really liked it. It was one of the movies that I wanted to see over the holidays and, and uh, wasn't able to um, because my mom wanted to see the Jackie O movie, which was not mm. so great. Mm. Um, I passed on that one. I know. Good well, job, good job. Good call. It good was call. not... Oh. It was a stinker. Ouch. I still feel ill from it. Right? It's just, oh, it was a, it was a drag. But that's the Kennedy assassination for you. Uh-huh. And this, this movie made me feel so good and like was the sort of movie that I felt mm. good about days after watching it. Not as good as it made me feel. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. Talk about that. I mean, well, first of all, I did want to see it in the movie theater, but I was so excited about it that I couldn't even wait because I had this screener. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, yeah, oh, I have okay. to see this like right now. For many reasons. One, which a lot of people probably wouldn't know, but all three women are or were, um, some of the past, members of um, the same sorority that I'm in. Alpha oh. Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Whoa. All three. So that was like really enlightening. It was like, oh my goodness. I mean, because, quick history lesson, but you know, in a African-American sorority, we don't just pledge or participate in undergrad. It's like that movie, The Firm, once you get in, you can't get out. Mm. <laughs> like, literally, you're, and you become more active once you get to, um, once you graduate. Oh, you so join, it's like a You lifelong. join what's called grad chapter, yeah. Or you're inactive like me and should <laughs> be joining grad chapter, just pay your dues, and you're just like a general member. But yeah, so it was like, I was really proud. I was a really proud sister of Alpha Kappa Alpha watching them. Like, of course they were all sorors. It made me very proud. Very nice. <laughs> That's awesome. And a little cocky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that made me excited and also made me excited as, you know, an African-American woman to see just three brilliant women. And I thought the director did such a great job of showing their brilliance and also showing what they had to deal with, Mm -hmm. but not like dumbing them down or not making it some sappy like woe is me stories. A lot of times, you know. Some of these movies are like, oh, the poor black person had to struggle through. It was like these women were so confident mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so like in the car, the car scene when the car broke down. Yeah. And they were like, well, you could walk or sit in the back of the bus. And they were like, oh, no, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I was like, that's me right there. Like, oh, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> that was like a prime. Like also because it showed the pride and, and the almost part of the arrogance of like, no, nah, we're not doing that. Yeah. And during that was 1961. Uh-huh. 1961. That was very impressed. That scene ends with them fixing the car and then the or the the cop pulls up and you're like, "Oh yeah. Oh, fuck this fucking cop. What's he going to do?" Yeah, in advance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then um part of the storyline. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then he uh, they talk to him. They have to convince him that they're like, "Yes, we work at NASA. We do important things." Like we're n-. and he's just like, uh. "I didn't know there were Women. Yeah. Because yeah. Oh, yeah. you knew that's not what he was going to say. I didn't know it was brilliant. <laughs> um, but then he offers to escort them the rest of the way. And I, that, I, I wrote down what um, 
What Mary says? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Because she's like, three Negro women are chasing Being a white police, police officer, officer down a highway in Hampton, Virginia, 1961. That Ladies, is, this is a God-ordained yep, miracle. This is a God-ordained <laughs> miracle. I love that. I wrote that down as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caitlin, do you want to do the recap? The recap. The yeah. Caitlin recap. Oh, man. The story is about three black women, Catherine Goebel, who becomes Catherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson. Stories based on real life events. These were real women. They were all employed by NASA. This is a movie set in 1961. We're in the middle of the space race with the Russians. You know, the U.S. is trying to pull ahead. The Russians get a man in space first. Everyone's freaking out. Catherine Goebel did a lot of the analytic geometry to calculate the trajectories and the landing and takeoff for the rockets. Meanwhile, uh, Mary Jackson is, she wants to be an engineer, but she can't because she doesn't have quite the right qualifications. Or she has the right qualifications, but they're like finding ways to suppress her ability to actually be an engineer because she's a woman. So she has to like petition and get a court date and all this stuff so that she can take classes to get the qualifications. Long story short. She finally gets there. Yay. She becomes an engineer. Um, But she's working in, like, this engineering department. Um, They're trying to figure out how to make it so that the spacecraft that they're trying to launch into space is ready for the astronauts to actually be there and that it's safe so they don't all die in space. And then the third main character, Dorothy Vaughn, she's essentially a supervisor, but they won't give her the title or the pay. And she's supervising a group of, like, 20 other black women who are all computers and and doing other uh, you know important math and analytics and stuff like that for NASA um and it's basically just it takes place over the course of a few months and they're all just trying to do the work that needs to be done to get people in space yeah the end i think it's you know <laughs> cool to point out that you know they were called computers because there were there were, com- no... There were, there were no computers yet IBM they were just waiting to get their IBM yeah other characters who are important, um, Catherine's boss, played by Kevin Costner. This is the first time I have not hated him in a movie, so good job. I like him. I am, yeah. I'm Kevin a, Costner, like Kevin him. Klein. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kevin a, Klein's always been great. I'm Kevin a Kevin Costner. Oh, man. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey, yeah. <laughs> man, um, more Kevins, please. Oh, no, Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so he's her boss. Uh, then there's Jim Parsons. I forget his character's oh, name. Oh, I love his character's name. It's, it's Paul. Paul Staff, sh- Staffen, I think. Yeah. I love Jim Parsons. He looks like a little He's alien great. all the time. He's just this little alien looking guy. Oh, his character, though, <laughs> so despicable. Yes. He was so good at this movie. Yeah. He's I mean, a bad alien yeah. in this movie. <laughs> Kristen Dunst plays a woman. I don't entirely know what her job Miss, is. Mrs. Mitchell. She's like a coordinator. Mrs. Mitchell. So that's the cast Those of the main characters. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The first thing I want to say about this movie is it it calls attention to the fact that like one of the most significant historic and scientific feats of the 20th century and also like, I don't know, all of history, which was putting a man into space, was made possible by a group of black women who you've probably never heard about until now. Because I didn't learn this stuff in history class. And that's why, I mean, obviously the title of the movie suggests that these are hidden figures because we don't, like, they don't teach us this. Like, well, we didn't learn about this. I didn't. I think that it kind of, like, it, that extends to the movie universe, too. Because think about how many fucking space movies there are. There are a billion. <laughs> and every time you cut to the control room, there's a white guy in there. There's, yeah. you know, like, there's barely any women at all, not to mention a person of color. And so it's like... I don't know. I, I was thinking a lot about that during the movie, too, of just like, uh, you know, like Armageddon, Apollo 11, and uh, one of the characters I forget. 13. In, sorry to uh, mansplain that, too. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, but who Catherine is, is later in, involved with, and like, you would never see that reflected. Well, I knew in, about Catherine Johnson. You did? Oh. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I had actually forgotten. My dad was like, you wrote a paper on her. I was like, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I was really young. But I definitely think seeing the movie definitely gave me a It brought awareness to yeah, a, a lot of In a very people. different way. Yeah. I, I mean, my parents are great because we learned about a lot of um, African-American people who were outstanding and amazing and changed history that were not just Martin Luther King. I love them. But, yeah. you know, or... I would say Benjamin Banneker. I don't know if anybody knows who he is. <laughs> I'm like, um, well, 
Paul Robeson. And I mean, there's a lot of people that when I was a kid, my parents, we would get a, a list of names to write a paper. Mm-hmm. And I did not go to school normally with a, many other African-Americans, especially not any teachers. So it would be mm-hmm. like me in the class. And it would be all these historical figures, but none of them would be black. Mm-hmm. And my parents would be like, they would cross it out, and they'd be like, you're doing a paper on this person. So I would bring it back That's to awesome. school. That's and I'd be amazing. like, um, this is what I'm doing it on. <laughs> and the teacher, you could tell the teacher looked like, I did not assign that to you, but I'm definitely not going to challenge you on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because good luck challenging my mother. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. You would lose that battle hardcore. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in rural western Pennsylvania. Uh, I grew up in rural no. Long Island. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> man, that's the thing. Like, I, like, I mean, I didn't have parents to be like, you're going to do this paper on a, oh. an African-American person. And so, like, I don't think we talked about in history class, like, any notable figures in history who were black, except maybe Harriet Tubman. Oh. <laughs> Uh, or I mean, and not many women either. I mean, like I knew about Betsy Ross because she made a flag or something. But like other than that, it was just a bunch of white dudes. My favorite woman growing up was um, Shirley Chisholm. She went for president, first black woman. Oh, like, yeah, she's I part of the women's suffrage her. movement. Like yeah. she's mm-hmm. no joke, man. She was like, I remember like being a kid and being like, I want to be like her. Yeah. <laughs> she was so. That's what I mean. Like we were lucky. We were very fortunate. We were exposed to so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was like, really interesting to um, see. And I mean, I think what I love most about Hidden Figures as well is that it also showed the softness of African-American women, mm-hmm. meaning like they weren't like, and and, and I say it's like, I love being strong and, and, and the, um, the portrayal of strong African or black women, but like these women were known for their brains mm-hmm. and they didn't have to put anything on it. They were just being who they are. And that's what made them up is their intelligence. And I felt like they led by their intelligence. And that to me was like such a refreshing thing to see. Yeah, I love that. I loved that. One of the other thing, main things this movie does is that it just shows how many hurdles these women had to jump over in like every part of their job and outside of their job just to like prove that they're capable. They're like, yeah, we are. Yeah, we can do this. Of and doing the, and the everyone's job just they're like, currently doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's just like, no, I don't know about that. But it's also you have to prove yourself. It's also a testament to when someone says, "Cream always rises to the top." Literally, they needed them because no one could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like no one else could do it. You know, so it's almost like if you can make yourself so useful that nobody else could do it. And it was interesting, like also too about the engineering with Mary, mm-hmm. and that character even you know saying. You know, I'm Jewish and I came here from, but the thing is like, you're still a man, yeah. you know, and you're still a white man in, in America. Like, so it's, it was really interesting to see him have that because her obstacle wasn't just being a woman where she needed to take the courses. They didn't allow African-Americans. Right, a segregated so school. that was really, I mean, being a woman was part of it. But second layer of it is that they didn't allow women, you know, women of color. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, people of color for Hashtag that matter. intersectionality. Um, I mean, she had to go to court. To take a class at like, I think it was like a high school she had to go take it at, at yeah. a night class. Yeah. Which was, which was like, wow. Yeah. There's so many steps she had to go through just to be able to get the credentials she needed to do the job that she was already qualified to do. Yeah, my mom would have totally done that. <laughs> no, for real. My mom yeah. would have been like, excuse me. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and it was, it was nice to see. I mean, it, it wasn't like a main focal point, but it was nice to see their, their home lives as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and that the other roles, because I feel like it would have been easy to just keep this in the workplace and it would have still been powerful uh, if it was just in the workplace, but it was nice to see um, not just the professional hurdles, but um, trying to like maintain a life for their kids and all this stuff. Cause they still have all the pressures associated with motherhood. Right. Yeah. All three of those women had young children. Yeah. And um, Catherine was a single mother. At least she started out that way. She ends up marrying Jim Johnson. I love that relationship. Yeah. I I love like, you know, they showed such a respectful, like black love, Uh which I loved. I was like, oh, this is so sweet. When he like apologized to her for doubting her. 
when they first met. Right. I was like, all right. Well, a lot of men make that mistake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because what is the first thing he said? Because he's like, oh, I understand you work at NASA. And she's like, yeah, we do all the, you know, the calculations. And he's just like, oh, they let women do. Uh, and then he like stops talking. He's like, oh, man, I fucked up real bad. <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to walk away and you should shut up. Uh, and then like, the next time he's like, I owe you an apology. She's like, yeah, I'm waiting for it. Mm-hmm. It also showed the complications <laughs> in Mary's marriage. Right. Which I loved as well. Mm-hmm. The juxtaposition of that relationship versus that. And also Mary not like, she didn't play down or come down for her husband, even though he had all these like issues and concerns. She was just like, yeah. nah, I'm, I'm gangster. I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, you shouldn't believe. You should not. You know, which is, I'm such an optimist. It's so hard for me to like look at the, the glass is never half empty to me. It's always half full. So I was like, go Mary. Yeah. You can do this. Well, yeah, just like just seeing these three main characters who pretty much at almost every point in the movie just refuse to be bulldozed by literally the entire world that's trying to bulldoze them. Right. And, and uh, you know, like you were saying, it's just like making themselves so like incredibly intelligent and, and useful that you can't didn't like they couldn't have done it without them. It was- and also the intelligence wasn't um, it, it wasn't forced. It was like quiet intelligence. That's what I love. Yeah, it just like came across very organically. Which is how we really are. (laughs) They're doing the the job. (laughs) Yeah, they're just... I wanted to talk a little bit more about that scene. It's one of the opening scenes where they're broke down on the side of the road and Dorothy is like fixing the car. And I mentioned in an earlier episode of this podcast where I'm like, oh, I hate that trope where like to show a woman, to show that she's not just like any other woman. She's good at fixing cars. And, like, yeah. it's an annoying trope, but, like, that's not what happened in this movie. Like, they broke down. I believe that that character knew how to fix cars. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, something like in Transformers, like, you see Megan Fox leaning over the hood of a car and basically, like, having sex with a car, male gaze all over the place, like, lingering up and down. But was she supposed, was she supposed to be fixing it? Driver? Yeah, but like... It's she was? Just, uh, I thought she was making oh, love Oh, I thought she was just it. making love to it. Like literally, all I thought it was like, I didn't even realize that she was actually supposed to be fixing that car. So. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I was like, oh, what I was guess... she doing next to that car? I was like, this is the part in the movie when they want some real, like, they want to sell sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then in this movie, like, Dorothy's like splayed out, lying on the ground, like under the car. Actually, how you actually fix car. cars. Yeah. It wasn't sexy. It was just like, yep, she just... Is trying to figure out what the problem is, and so, in the context of the the movie, like that made total sense. Yeah, it didn't feel tropey at all. No, 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 no. no. And, and actually, yeah. and you saying it, I didn't. It didn't even. I didn't even think about it until right now. You know, you bring yeah. it up. It was, was just like, like a normal thing that happened. You're like, yep, this checks out. Yeah, and that was that wasn't. I feel like the reason people usually do that trope is because the like whatever whoever the female character is is like portrayed as like so unrealistically that they're like, but wait. She's grounded, and and <laughs> these women are portrayed realistically for the duration of the movie. So it's like, cool, yeah, they can fix cars. Mm-hmm. They're so much cooler than me. <laughs> <laughs> Part of what made me love this movie even more was there was a, a few um, campaigns around the time when it was actually in theaters um, where a lot of people were donating to send uh, classes oh, right. of kids to go see this movie. And uh, it's amazing that as many classes... Uh, as as did got to see it in the theater, but just thinking about like years down the line, this will be like watched in history classes, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of movies like it, and it's it that to me was like so exciting of like imagine being whatever seven or eight years old and 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 seeing this movie, it would be yeah. Way I think, I think than... a couple of the actresses, like I think Taraji P Henson, I think also maybe Octavia Spencer, like bought out theaters. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't people, know that. Yeah, I believe they bought out theaters so that people, so that could, people go in, could just yeah. go in and see it. Yeah. Oh, man. That's wonderful. Yeah. So like this movie, I don't know. There's not a lot of movies you see where you're like, oh, this is going to have a serious legacy and impact far beyond the time it's actually in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I like the um, I felt like the accurate portrayal of Paul and Catherine and Paul's Jim Parsons character. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I like the fact that he just stayed in his character the whole, like, to the end. He was not going to give up being an asshole at all. Right. And right. I loved it. I'm like, it wasn't like a romantic ending with that dude. Yeah. It was like, great. This yeah. is great. He's like, you're racist and you hate women and you're going to stay that way. 
Right. Because in 1961, that would have been what happened. Right. But you also saw, you know, what the, the you know what's so funny? This movie was a great example of nobody wanting to be at the bottom. And what I mean by that is like, so the men treated the women bad, like Mrs. Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she treated the black women bad because somebody had to, it just like trickled down. Like, they're going to treat me poorly. Well, I'm going to treat, like, nobody wants to be the bottom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was another one who was just terrible. And even yes. when she, I guess, did a good thing, it wasn't even good. She was, she was just like, nah. Yeah, no, yeah. she, <laughs> like, there's that scene where she's in the bathroom. It didn't with change Dorothy. her idea about African-Americans <laughs> right. at all. Yeah. yeah, there's that scene when, and she's, like, in the restroom with um, Dorothy, and after they had, like, desegregated the bathroom, <laughs> um, when Mrs. Mitchell's like, you know, despite what you think, I don't have anything against you. And she's like, yeah, I'm yeah, sure you, you believe that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm sure that's what you think. But you do. Right. And it's so funny, because when, when the real Catherine said that never happened... She, oh, that. Said, she was like, hell no, I went to the bathroom right there. Oh. She was like, who would have time for that? Well, they certainly had to like amp up the drama of to course. make it like a cinematic experience. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure like, I'm sure also she doesn't, didn't need to be like called in at the last moment because he's about to launch into space. And they didn't. And she have... wasn't allowed in the room. Oh, really? No, nope. oh. she was not actually oh. allowed in the room. That's upsetting. Yeah. So yeah. that was also made up. Yeah. They got to embellish stuff. For, yeah. Uh... She wasn't allowed in the room, but she did the math. Great. Good for her. She got the fucking job done. Yeah, Mrs. Mitchell, I, I know she's not as bad as Paul, but she pissed me no, off. She was. So many... she, she was. She was a woman. It makes her I worse. Mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, ugh, every scene she's in, and maybe, no, I mean, like, I, I guess Kirsten Dunst did a good job because I great really job. fucking hated oh, her. Yeah, she was this great. Whole, yeah, this whole movie, every time she was on screen, I was just like, unco- like what is she going to do now? Because it's like, yes. it's where Jim Parsons' character is outright like very straightforward i don't respect you i like just the way that mrs mitchell would get those underhanded passive but that's what made it so great is that they didn't make it like they didn't do they didn't do what every other movie does make it this obvious racism because that's not really how a lot of racism is a Mm -hmm. lot of it is just how she played it it's like so layered and intertwined Mm -hmm. it was i mean it was her belief system Right. You know what I mean? Her belief system. And when it's your belief system, you don't really have to put anything on it. And that was a very complicated, I thought, um, mm-hmm. role that I thought she did a really amazing job with. She yeah, played she that character, that despicable I was character. so angry at her. The other white woman, too, who is working in, like, the space oh. task group, who is, like, just as bad. She didn't get as much uh, screen time, but she was so dismissive of Catherine. She's like... She was, never... but do you remember when he said, where's the computer, what happened? She said, oh, she's standing right behind you. She was, and she, and speaks she speaks, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that was an okay moment. But then later on when uh, Catherine has to go to the restroom for the first time, and she's like, excuse me, uh, where's the restroom? And the woman goes, I have no idea where your bathroom is. And then, like, returns to her phone call. Just, like, very dismissive. And I uh, thought it was so... But I also think it's a product of... You think she was treated well there? Oh, no. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm so I think like, it's also like, I think it's also that thing of like, you have the opportunity to be somebody else's boss. I mean, I think a lot of, you know, women are feeling that, you know, and she probably had a lot of people, you know, I feel like it was more of a rote thing for her because how many black women actually ever walked in that room? I'm going to say none. Well, even. Um, I'm going to say none. Mrs. Mitchell says that. She's like, this is the first, you're the first. Because when Catherine walked into that room, everybody was. He gave her the garbage can. Right, because he thought thought she was a custodian. Yeah. Yeah, he gave her the garbage can. Mm -hmm. And then, and you could tell Jim Parsons' character already made up his mind that he was not going to respect her. Totally. Mm -hmm. And when he told him, Kevin uh, told him, oh, you got to do her, do his math too. (laughs) Oh, what a blow to his ego. That That made me laugh so hard. You could like see his dick wilt. (laughs) (laughs) Like recede into his body. Wilt. It was, it was, it was it, was it gone. just fell off. It was gone. <laughs> like leaked out of his pant leg. It was that was such oh a my satisfying. God. And that moment. happened so many times. Yeah. And he's like, he, he sucks. He does. Yeah. He really I wonder, because um, I feel like anytime there's a movie based on true events, um, the family of whoever the villain is retaliates. I wonder if there was any of that in this case maybe we'll do some oh, I don't know. research on it yeah because yeah, people I, I love to get money by being like he wasn't that bad it's like mm. oh but he was chances are he, he was, was exactly he was, he was that probably bad. worse they said it was worse actually 
Oh, I they said their it. treatment in this. Um, they said their treatment was actually worse than what was portrayed. Oh, well, yeah, be- I feel like if they did it accurately, they probably wouldn't get to keep the PG rating. Like, right? I'm sure, like racial slurs to kids. Uh, yeah. were thrown at them. I can imagine what happened. <laughs> <laughs> One of the points I wanted to make is why did it take until 2016 for this movie to be made about these people from the 60s? I mean, when did when was the book published? The book was published in 2016. Yeah, oh, well, it was just then. remember I tried to read the book, but it wasn't out yet because I actually was told that I was going to have an audition for this movie. Really? Yes, I had a general at Fox, and they would tell me about this movie. Oh, and another like little nice inside tidbit: mm-hmm. I had just done a Hotels.com commercial that Ted Melfi directed who was oh, a director wow. of Hidden Figures. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was right after that, they were like, oh, you're going to have a you know, general at Fox. And when, you, when I saw who's cast, I was like, ha was that a joke? <laughs> like, there's no, like, hello, that cast was amazing. I'm like, yeah, that was cute. But I was trying to get my hand on the, on the book mm-hmm. and trying to get as much information as I could on the project so that I could, I really wanted to audition for it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I never did. Well, that's another thing we could talk about is that um, another movie directed and written by a white guy. Yeah. yeah um, probably, why did it take this long? Yeah. Also, why didn't, why did it have to be directed by a white guy? Yeah, that was a, like, yeah. that was a big thing. That was a thing. You have this movie about these three African-American women and it didn't go to uh, like Ava DuVernay. Mm-hmm. Or, right. you know, maybe another up and coming African American director. Yeah. Which is a very interesting story. And for me, I was hugely conflicted because I had, I loved Ted Melfi mm-hmm. from St. Vincent. Oh, yeah. I was, was a huge movie. And I think the reason why I booked that Hotels.com commercial was because in my callback, when I went in, I was like, what are you doing here? Because <laughs> I couldn't believe the director yeah. from St. Vincent was the director of my commercial. Yeah. And, I, was, and, and I, I didn't have the wherewithal to be like, see him in this, you know, be like, hmm, okay, I think I know who that is and just be quiet. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing here? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> like literally didn't even care and wanted to booking it. But yeah, and yeah and that one commercial paid for SAG for my health insurance, remember? Hell yeah. Great. One commercial, but he was such a great guy, and I remember thinking, "Oh, but he's like really, he's really good." <laughs> yeah, it's it's always tricky because he did. I mean, he had his hand in pretty much every part of the movie. He's got the directing, producing, and writing credit. The first draft of the movie was written by a woman. Um, That's and, right. And then, and it was uh, a woman with a lot of experience with NASA too, who. Uh, her name is... Is it Allison Schroeder? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where she had, like, interned at NASA, grew up near Cape Canaveral the whole bit. Hmm. Um, so, you know, Ted Melfi didn't write the whole thing, but... It would have been nice, though. It's it would, not would have, It would have been nice to... I would have even, like, maybe Ava DuVernay or Dee Reese, mm-hmm. who um, did Bessie and um, Pariah. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see one of them do it. Mm-hmm. I would actually like to see Dee do it. It would have been great to see her do it. Yeah, because I mean, and Ted Melfi does a, a, a good job in the movie. Turned out amazing, but it's like not his. It's not his story, story to tell. Yeah, it's not his story. Um, but I also wonder, you know, how would they have been able to get that PG rating? Because Dee is hardcore. Maybe. I mean. Maybe depends. I mean, she had to. I'm sure she could. Yeah, and and the PG rating I think is like so important for how long this movie will be remembered too. Right. Like if it went It just up... makes it more accessible to, to young, like you said, like it can be screened in schools now for like elementary kids. Yeah. My mom already got a copy of the DVD. She teaches second grade. Oh, very oh, nice. How adorable. Yeah. Oh, are they sending it to schools? I think she paid for it out oh. of pocket. And well, that's what teachers do now. Yeah. Teachers right. don't. <laughs> Even though our head of education doesn't know that, but you know, that, yeah. you, that they pay for their own pencils, but you know, yeah, their own. Oh God, that's a whole other thing that I could like flip a table over. But my my mom and her her teacher friends, they all have like a, a little group, and they take turns buying movies and stuff mm. and help each other out. But anyways, teachers are treated. But you like know what's garbage. amazing too? It's amazing to be your mom teaches second grade, right? Yeah. I mean, in second grade, you see a movie about three African American mathematicians. Like, not just black kids. I mean, all kids. 
mm-hmm. see this. It's like, can you, do you, I mean, that's like, their kids, their first president was black. It's, yeah. it's what they know. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. I mean, uh, it's so, it's so cool. Like, I don't know. That makes me feel good because this movie can have like such a role in like normalizing that to kids early on to the point where it wouldn't seem unusual at all. And it totally, yeah. I mean, yeah. Look, and in my family, my family, especially my mom's side, mostly, um, PhDs, men and women. Um, so I was raised around extraordinary, extraordinary African-Americans. So it was always like weird to me that people didn't know that. Like, wait, mm-hmm. that's like everybody I was raised around. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like well, single parent house. I'm like, what's that? I'm like, cause I had three generations to deal with great grandparents, grandparents, and my parents. Mm-hmm. Wow. You get in trouble at one house, you got in trouble two more times at two other houses. <laughs> that was a, not nice. Well, I mean, a, a part of that might be that the way black people are portrayed in mainstream media Usually not that great. So. Right. But it, but it's also interesting to me because most of my life was built around, I'm watching mainstream media probably like y'all, like I'm learning this with you. Like, yeah. what the hell are they talking about? Who are they talking about? I remember like growing up, especially when the internet became a big thing. Yeah, I had read things. I knew things were going on in the world. I definitely was not ignorant, not with my parents. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, I'm like, my experience was around people who were educated, highly educated. Matter of fact, you didn't have a doctorate. They used to look at you like, oh, like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You're just going to stop there? You, you, like, you underachiever. You're going to stop at a bachelor's degree? You disgusting. You know, yeah, I was like, but that's exactly what we like. Oh, gosh. You know, my mom's first cousins, all of their children went to Ivy League schools. Like, they all went to, even before that, my aunt was one of the first, I think she's one of the first black women admitted to Harvard Law School, I believe. And she spoke oh. fluent Chinese. Which is, and I, and I went to study abroad. I speak Japanese, but it's because she studied Chinese, mm-hmm. which is why I wanted to take Japanese. So these were influences that I took for granted almost because I figured that everybody, you know, had that experience. Sure. That everybody knew that about the African-American experience. That was that was my norm. That was your normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not that I hadn't seen or experienced because my dad's side of the family is very different from my mom's. And not that I haven't seen or experienced that as well. But the the thing that influenced me the most was... Um, my dad's side I remember being like gosh man these women are rough (laughs) (laughs) they have like you know the standard was like really high yeah well that's I mean what's great about this movie is it it normalizes a portrayal that you don't often see of the black community which is black women especially yeah you know I mean I feel like black women are portrayed as caretakers they're strong and struggling and they're single mom and they're all these like you gotta like literally fight the world to achieve anything mm-hmm. you're downtrodden you know so it's really yeah it's it's in it's refreshing because all i see is people like people like me i'm like oh well yeah i understand that yeah. that these are women that i relate to mm-hmm. i wish i was brought up around Smart people. <laughs> that would have been really great. Or anyone besides white people. I grew up in a town where my I went to high school. There were three black people in my high school. Wow. And two of them were adopted by white families. So there just there was no diversity. There's no there's just none. I was lucky to grow up in a very diverse city yeah. and be exposed to a lot of stuff that I feel like people don't look at. A frail white girl and be like, oh, she would know that. But uh, <laughs> I was, I mean, and, and I'm so grateful for that because even I, I remember like when I was transitioning from uh, moving home to to college, like you just some people have no fucking clue, and it's such a wake up call to. Yeah, but you know, I'm I'm from the suburbs too, and my town was actually I want to say a large percentage Latino really mm-hmm. but it was so segregated because i didn't go to school with one latino maybe one oh yeah two and i remember their names mm-hmm. um <laughs> say them right now no i'm kidding no. shout out <laughs> but i mean although my school is a public school and although my school was a very large public school i was in the honors program and there were two of us two african-american and i remember the other one as well she was mm-hmm. in georgetown we were in that program and then one latino and that and then and one asian girl so Literally, everybody, it felt like I was in a utopia within a society. Everybody else was running around 
intermingling and I'm in a world completely separate from everybody else. They even put us in a different wing. You know how where the computers were in that movie? Yeah. That reminded me of where we were put as honor students in a different place away from everybody else. Huh. Like in a different part of campus almost. And that was like a really weird experience for me because my day, the majority of it was spent in a majority white environment. Mm-hmm. And then the only time I saw saw anyone of color was at track practice. And I also played the cello. So that's a whole nother like, <laughs> yeah. So it was really interesting experience for me to be the one person I felt like that knew. So I knew so much about my culture, mm-hmm. but I realized a lot of people didn't. And I did not feel like I wasn't really fighting really, but my mom was, and I didn't even realize that yeah. until I'm like an adult. Now my mom was the one who would be like, no, or my parents, both of them, my dad and my mom would be like, no, you're going to do a um, report on this person. And it cannot be like people that everybody knows. Right. You're going to do something on you know, this person. So it was really interesting that they had the wherewithal to say, no, we're, you're not going to do that. You're going to, you're, you're, my job is to be the teacher. Yeah. And I know a lot of black people don't want to be the teacher, but for my parents are like, that's your job. You are going to go in and because of what you're doing, that inevitably will open other people's minds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was like yeah. awesome. That is great. I'm trying to think if there's anything else about the movie I wanted to say. Um, it made me want to read the book. Yeah, same. I want to get the book because I mean, watching it as a, you know as as an adult, I, it makes me want to you know you can tell that there's probably a lot of moments that are left out of the movie, so it can reach a larger audience. But mm-hmm. I want to. But I also think a lot of women. I mean, couldn't women relate to when he told her? If you were a man, would you want to be an engineer? She'd be like, I, I would already be one. Yeah, she's like, I wouldn't yeah. have to wish I would be one. I would be like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I would be one. Mm-hmm. And it's not, that's not over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's not over. Hello. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> this movie has like, it's, the ending is very uplifting because it's like, they went on to do these things and they were regarded as the most brilliant minds in NASA. And, and you're like, yeah, good for them. And then you're like, wait a minute. It's 50 years later, over 50 years later, and there's still rampant racism and misogyny all around us. Also, to like, how do you think that I feel, even with what I do? I play the cello. Mm -hmm. Even now, this is 2017, no one can name like a black cellist, not even male or female, like no one. Because at the time that I was doing research, there were no black cellists in a philharmonic in the country. So, those firsts yeah. are still happening. Yeah. Misty Copeland, like those firsts oh, are still happening. I mean, the reason why I have an act as a comedian is because there are no black challenges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's new. She's so fresh. I can she's make songs cello. like the most famous black cellist you know because I'm the only one you probably know. <laughs> I'm probably the only cellist you know. Only the yo-yo, the yo-yo Ma people know. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know Yo-Yo Ma. Exactly. But, you know, so it's, it's, it's so like... I'm waiting for the movie of, you know, the first black ballerina like Misty Copeland or the first black cellist. Like, you know, there's still more work to be done. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited because then in like, give me something to look forward to. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I want to be a first. I want to achieve some stuff over here. So, yeah, you know, there's still areas of life that are still untapped and are waiting. Our genius, and we gotta lift each other up <laughs> so we can we can get there. And as women, I mean, I think women in general should have been able to relate to you know, not just African American women, but like if you look at the white women in that movie, they were so like oppressed. You can tell they were just suffering, suffering like because even for Mrs. Mitchell, for her, that was probably like kind of a big job, you know, because she's a, she's the kind of the boss, she's the coordinator. Yeah, but even with that. Who knows what her her background, what she wanted to really do. True. Um, Who knows? Like, who knows? I think she could have handled her, I don't know, choices a lot better. Oh, yeah. But but it's it's not even about, like, I'm not saying that her her character, I mean, we already know what her character is. But you look at the dynamics between men and women. Sure. And between, you know, you're dealing with multiple layers, men, women, um, African-American, white. And, and you're just like layering all this stuff on there. And I think, you know, you see the secretary in the, you know, in the, in the was, task group. Yeah. Was, you yeah. see like the secretary. It's almost like she kind of already knows this is not going to work. You know, she kind of already wrote it off like, nah, yeah, mm-hmm. th- th- this is not going to work. I can't tell you how many people see me 
get on stage with that cello and be like, okay, whatever, man. And then they'll come back to the show and be like, oh, it was really good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, because she says to her, she says something like, don't expect Mr. Harrison to warm up to you. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Mrs. Because maybe like, he didn't warm up to her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe he never warmed up to her. Yeah. Yeah. Very possible. The, yeah, and then the character of, uh, of Mrs. Mitchell, as much as I can't stand her, like the, the like very tightly repressed yeah. energy. Ugh. It's weird because she's sort of like in the middle of she is not kind to black women because she needs to feel important, yeah. and then she's constantly taking shit from the white men, and it just kind of results in this weird little ball of fury like you just mm-hmm. and and it's uncomfortable because she probably to still had watch. to go home and cook and touch somebody's toes and rub his back after she worked all damn day man forget that right. she's like man i gotta listen to jim tell me what to do <laughs> hey, <laughs> is that roast done yet <laughs> Girl, isn't a sheldon from big bang theory oh, yeah. <laughs> all oh, day man, long? But, then, but she says Brutal. things like you know you're the first black woman in this group don't embarrass me and it's like you you yeah, but so did so did the other character tell her that too. Don't embarrass us, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But and it's also but it's also like what's funny about that is she thinks that that woman's going to embarrass her. That's the funny part. Like uh-huh. really, I mean, you clearly don't know. Like the level of she was so unaware of how talented they were. All she knows is I can't believe I had to come down here to get one of you. Basically, mm-hmm. you're so yeah. unaware. Of how freaking phenomenal they are. It makes me laugh. All I can think about is that there's a poem by Maya Angelou called Phenomenal Women or Phenomenal Woman. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and our sorority used to always like quote this poem. Mm-hmm. And all I can think about is you have no idea how fierce these women are. These women are, they're in circles around you and all you know, but that's how rote her job is. Oh, I got to get down here, get this thing. Fi- All she knows, I got to fill this, fill this, fill this, fill this. I don't want right. to deal with your issues with wanting a raise, chick. You, you, you're you, lucky. In her mind, you're lucky you're even here. Mm. She says that, too. Yeah, you're lucky like, you're, you're lucky even lucky here. You're lucky you even have a job. Yes. And really, it really is a reverse. You're lucky you have a job. Right. Because they're all so much smarter than you. <laughs> yeah. She, for real, she would have rocked, Dorothy would have rocked her job so hard, that woman would be unemployed. Oh, for sure. She'd be back in the kitchen having more babies. <laughs> By Jim. Uh, Jim. Jim. Jim with his roast. Jim can fuck off in this movie. <laughs> uh, I, I found out a little bit more about the, the charity screenings. Um, where quite a few of them were sponsored by the actors. And there was also See? a Girl Scout initiative to get a bunch of Girl Scouts uh, to be able to go. And then there were different ones sponsored by, uh, you know, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet, uh, and, and Taraji P. Henson, uh, also Jim Parsons, also Ted Melfi. And so I think that there was like 15 different cities that ended up getting a ton of uh, young people wow, to get to incredible. see the movie. God, Girl Scouts still around, huh? They're still, I know. Yeah. Right? Were you a Girl Scout? I was a Girl Scout. So was I. So yeah. was I. I used to always get the most patches because my dad worked at a college and he'd make everybody come into his um, office and buy Girl Scout cookies. So I would win every oh, time. Nice. That's so The whole amazing. college would be buying my My <laughs> parents were not motivated in regards to my Girl Scout. And I'm not a salesman, so. Yeah, I would only ever get like my grandma and my uncle to buy a box. And then I'd be like, I've sold two boxes. And I'm like, shut up, Caitlin. Get out of here. No, no, we, we were rocking it. That's nice. amazing. Yeah, I-, I love Girl Scouts until they told us to go camping. Yeah, as so I to say, the wilderness badges Oof. are brutal. I'm like, I no. have no, I have no desire. I if I had a choice, I would never go outside. No, my mom and I were like, okay, where's the closest hotel? Like, we are not. Yeah. Um... We invented uh, indoor plumbing for a reason. I'm not gonna. I, I will say that camp. my parents afforded us a certain lifestyle, which I'm grateful for. Yeah, I was like, no, we do, we do not like camping. Who? Maybe I wish they had what's it called glamping now? Or is that what it's called? Yeah, I what like glamorous glamping. camping? Yeah, I would. Oh. Yeah. T- we would totally sign up for that. Yeah, but my mom and I were like, "Oh my god!" My mother was like, "Wear your slippers in that shower. I don't know what's in there." We were terrible. We were just like, "This is gross." <laughs> I was like, "We would have been horrible in the wilderness, man. We would have been horrible." All and my dad was like, "I mean, he's a professor, so my dad would be." <laughs> my dad used to like take the tour guide's job. The tour guide would be like saying something, and my dad was my dad's so smart. 
I think he is a computer. <laughs> my, my dad would literally be like, oh, just to add to that. And, um, this, 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 I mean, my dad knows everything about everything. Yeah. Like, he, just re- he just retains everything. I want to meet your parents. And you would just sit here and watch him so like, cool. can I just, you just watch him? No way. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'll keep them. They're keepers. That's yeah. Good. I had an intense PTA mom when I was younger. My mom <laughs> One of those. <laughs> yeah. My mom didn't, my mom didn't go back to work until I was 11. She used to be a banker um, before I was born and then uh, ended up staying home with me and all 10 of my cousins uh, from when before I was born until I was 11. Yeah, so there'd be 10 kids at my house every oh, day. sugar. And then uh, she went back and she was a PTA mom when, I, when she wasn't uh, working and was just taking care of like this brood of children um and then now she works at that school that she used to be at the pta and she like went back and got her master's and now she teaches because i think that she just really wore the principal down by being around for like (laughs) 10 consecutive years yeah i mean my mom probably had to deal with especially in the honors program she had to deal with like certain things in terms of uh teachers not only just being a i guess a black female there was one honors program where I got a, like a, we had a regents exam in New York. I got like a 97 on the regents exam and they didn't put me in honors English the following year, but they didn't put any women in honors English the following year. Hardly oh, any. Oh my God. And my mom like noticed it. My mom was like, uh, no, they had to go in and fight to yeah. get us in honors English. I didn't know that. My mom was like, you guys are racist and sexist and these women and these kids need to get into this class. She got a 97 on the bench. Are you crazy? <laughs> That's my mom. Oh, terrific. Are there any final thoughts anyone has about the movie? I loved it. I want more kids to see it. Like I said before, it was just a nice, it was just nice to see most mm-hmm. sorority sisters. That's so cool. There. I didn't know that. Because like that pride is like what uh, we were, we were raised around. So it was just like, yeah, I get this. And yeah. it was just great to see that. Oh, obviously cool. this passes the Bechdel. Yes, we we should usually oh, think because they're talking about math. Say that, yeah, like there, it's like almost a comical passing of the test. Yeah, it happens. And I mean, I only wrote down like the scenes that happen in the first half hour, and there are like six of them where it passes like in the first scene where the three women are together fixing the car. car they're talking about the car they're talking about their jobs at nasa then there's a room full of women the one that like dorothy's handing out assignments to mm. they're all talking to each other there mrs mitchell comes in and is like hey who can handle analytic geometry here most of their conversations whenever there are two women talking to each other are not about a man it's usually about their job space travel math you know, any number of things. There's a ton. There's a ton of scenes where it passes the test. Uh, no question mm-hmm. about it. It reminds me of my first job I had. What my was first, your first job? job? Was a Moody's Investor Service. It's a rating agency. So oh. they rate companies, Fortune 500 companies. Oh, okay. And my job in the summer was to use a Gini coefficient to figure out the average income of homes in certain areas. And I remember it was really statistics. Mm-hmm. And I remember like sitting there like telling people, this is what I do for the summer. And I'm like 17, 18 years old. And people look at me like, nah, man, we don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> this sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I remember, like, thinking about that first job. And, uh, and, and granted, I mean, I love math and I'm great at it, but not the way these women are. But it made me feel really good that I was, like, throwing out stuff. Yeah. But, I, you know, I was like, yeah. And people are like, oh, what the hell she's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of my job as a Hooters delivery driver. Oh, man. <laughs> Bringing no. it back. Uh, no, actually, like... I was, I was... Were you, is that real? I was, uh, yeah, that oh, was yeah. a real thing. Delivery and driver. I was a delivery driver <laughs> for Hooters. You were, you were Uber, um, like, Uber pre... Uber Eats. <laughs> um, but no, actually, I was the only woman they hired to be a delivery driver, and mostly other guys got fired, so I was, like, one... I was like, you were, probably you were the last one. You were <laughs> the, the last one. one. I kind of Your was. story must be told. <laughs> it must. Call Melfi. <laughs> Yeah. I had a I had a math job once. I wouldn't say I excelled at it, mm-hmm. uh, but I worked at the comptroller's office for all the summers in college. Uh, still couldn't exactly tell you what a comptroller does, but I did uh, crunch crunch a lot of numbers in that very cold office <laughs> full of people who did not really know how to use computers. That was mostly what I did: was walk around and tell almost retirees how to you know use Microsoft Word. You were like the Dorothy. 
You like taught. I was, them yeah, how yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was the Dorothy. Yeah, the we didn't talk a lot about office. her, but like, um, I mean, she was great, and she like had the foresight to know like to learn the computer. With these oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my, she snuck in there to learn about the machines. She that was snuck dope. In, and then she stole a book from the library. That I love dope. that speech she gives. She's like, I pay taxes. Everything in this library was paid by but, taxes. It's mine to take. But, but, but do you realize the? impact of not being able to get the knowledge yeah knowledge being withheld from you i can't even wrap my mind around that i did not realize until this movie that libraries were segregated like that that there was oh like, hell yeah i did not know that yeah oh. i mean if you even think forget about just like in this movie before what was the one thing the slave master did not want to, the slaves to know they didn't want them reading to read yeah you cannot read they didn't want literate people because literate people know how to fight back and how to fight that they didn't want them to have the tools right so what do you do if you want to keep someone down you take their education you withhold yeah you withhold knowledge yeah right and that goes back to having to go to court to take a night class like the and exactly limiting access to education exactly yeah. exactly and, and basically like humiliating people Absolutely. for having Demoralize, the, demoralizing yeah for for needing to jump through all those hoops to even have access it's like it it just and is, then when she walks into that class and like when she finally gets like she petition she like does all the things she needs to do and she finally is granted access to this class she needs to take and she walks in and it's a bunch of white dudes it's a white teacher and they're just like Oh, what do we do? This curriculum isn't designed for women. She's like, I'm. I think I'll be like, it'll be fine. Yeah, that's, another, that's a good point too. The fact that it should it needs to be easier for women. Yeah, that's unfathomable to me because the women in my family were so intelligent. I feel like they were smarter than the men. Happened to us. I mean, the ad- yeah, the attitude was like, oh, your woman, your small woman brain. How could you ever possibly handle this information? Man, it just reminds me of that. Wasn't there like a Barbie where you like pulled the string and it was like, math is hard. Do you oh, but, yes. but, do, but do you think it's a portrayal for of white women? What that like, uh, like that frail, that it- like you, you, like you don't know as much. I mean, obviously this movie was like, you know, it was a, african-american women but i mean i feel like i'm like where what is this like i don't know that oh this woman maybe she's not as smart really but then it made me when i got older it made more sense that oh men really think this that was see i was so blinded by that Mm -hmm. yeah so blinded because as a as a woman as a girl in my class i was whipping those dudes ass so i didn't even really think about like i didn't think about gender right yeah like gender didn't even come into my brain like that yeah, I don't know. It didn't occur to me until maybe high school, but probably later because, I mean, like, I love everyone in my family, but the males in my family are 100% betas. Like, <laughs> yeah. every major male figure in my life uh, was a beta, is a beta to this day. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, and e- even down to, like, me and my cousins in, in – uh, I don't know exactly what the split between girls and boys is about half and half, but the girls that I grew up with, we were, you know, we were whipping their ass at stuff mm-hmm. at school. And that was just sort of what, what, what it was and, yeah. and what it always was. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I think about it actually too. That's actually true. It's like, I don't think it's a, a, a race thing. I think that men just really think they're smarter than women. Yeah, I think I, I and think, don't I think it's true. I, I think maybe women of color experience it to a greater degree where you know, people assume, "Oh, you're not going to be as smart, you're not going to know as much, etc." Yeah, but, than I, white women, but Yeah, that's so interesting like I just think it's an interesting thing to sit there and be you're right, and you sit there and you and but that's something I don't understand. Like I yeah. understand it intellectually, but in reality, in experience, I'm like, nah, this is not true. No, <laughs> this is ridiculous. It just like takes you a really long time to realize that that is actually what's happening. Like I remember yes. I have this very like specific memory in college of like I was starting to do comedy stuff and I was like taking an interest in it and I'd been like feeling weird for a while and then it just hit me. I'm like, oh, you just don't think that I can do this. Like, mm-hmm. and it was, it hadn't occurred to me. Until college, I, I think I think college it hit me. Yeah, that people also too. I remember being in. I'm a decent math student, but I'm a really good at like micro econ and statistics. Mm-hmm. Like that was like more my thing. In my micro econ class, which like everybody used to always fail, these are you know grade on a curve. Mm-hmm. And I remember they were like, "Well, somebody destroyed the curve because she got an A plus. It was me. You fucked up you. the curve, nice. and, I, and I realize now oh. he never said 
who destroyed the curve, but he did when I did. It did not hit me until much mm. later. I was like, I wonder if he'd said that because I was a black woman in this class of mostly white dudes. Do you think he was trying to, he was calling attention to it because he like wanted you to be, he wanted the other students to be mad think, at you? No. Well, I think, to, well, like, they were mad. I don't yeah. think that was his intention. Okay. I think he wanted them to acknowledge that I had done this. Yeah, that's cool then. But they were mad. Yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were pissed. Like, you know, I was like, whatever, man. Yeah. Do Sorry. Be- do Sorry better. that I'm... Yeah. Study harder. Yeah. <laughs> Curve destroyer. That's a brutal position to be in. Loved it. Yeah. And, and I try to achieve it every time. Mm-hmm. Very N- nice. No mercy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's rate the movie. Yes. On our nipple scale. Our zero our to five famous nipples. nipple yeah. scale. This is another movie that I'm going to give a very high nipple rating to. Maybe even a five. You're going to do it? Like a 4.5 or a 5. Oh, yeah, I'm going to commit. I'm going to give it a 5. Yeah. Nipple. Um, I love the way the three main women are portrayed. Um, they're just, they're they're constantly like uplifting each other. I, I just love them that the movie shows women in a way we haven't seen before. Typically, three black women who are aerospace engineered geniuses. <laughs> that was a really cool thing to see on screen. And I just really enjoy this movie. And it makes me feel a lot of feelings that I don't like to admit that I have. Because feelings are dumb. They're in there. They're, They're in. They're I know in I there, need, buddy. No, no, I need no. to let them Embrace out. Embrace them. No. Yeah. I know. Forget uh, that. I'm trying. But, um, right. yeah. All so- I want to do is talk about my feelings all day, every day. <laughs> High five. I pay someone a lot of money to listen to my feelings. That's smart. I I'm in debt. how to do that. Because I love to talk about my feelings so much. <laughs> Anyways. Um, uh, I'm going to give it five out of five for sure. Yeah. I mean, for all the reasons that you said, also just every character in this movie is portrayed with nuance that I think that if the attention to detail hadn't been so strong, it would have been very easy to paint every character in this movie with far broader strokes mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have been as effective. Um, I'm so happy this movie exists and that people will be able to watch it. I like want to show my kids this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hardcore five nipples. Yeah. <laughs> Hardcore. Each about three African-American women, mathematicians who are portrayed layered, multidimensional characters. Hell yeah. Five nipples. We did. This is the second movie that's gotten out of like whatever the 25 we've done that, that yeah. have gotten the five out of five treatment. The first one was Moana. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, do you have anything you want to plug or where can people find you online? I have a website, ninadaniels.com. I'm huge into Snapchat and Instagram. So on Instagram, I'm Nina Daniels dot official, and Snapchat, I'm on um, I'm Nina's Playground. And I have a monthly show, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. here at the Nerd Mount, mostly the last Tuesday of the month. Nina Daniels presents the Playground, and it's awesome and a lot of fun. Yeah. Anything you want to plug, Jamie? Um, yes. This is this episode is going to come out in the future. But uh, right now, I made a bunch of pinatas today. I'm doing a live stream at Jash tomorrow that you'll be able to watch by the time this episode comes out in its entirety. It's called Swan Lake Live from a Locked Basement. I'm going to do uh, ballet. Gonna, I made a bunch of new cartoons for it. Uh, and I, I've got to go finish making the pinatas for it. It takes place on the day of Ronald Reagan's assassination. And I've got a big pinata of Jodie Foster's head. I'm going to smash it. I love everything about that. Spoiler I was going to say alert. the same thing. I'm like, ditto, <laughs> ditto to what Caitlin said. So watch that. And cool. uh, and at Hamburger Phone. Yeah, I don't have any cool um, Swan Lake projects or uh, anything like that, but you can follow me at Caitlin Durante on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, too, at Bechtelcast. You can email us. I haven't. We haven't talked about the email. I don't even know if we've gotten any. I should check it. But anyway, <laughs> we just said, email us. We don't, we don't check, check it. it. Uh, maybe I'll edit that part out. We'll see. We, well, we, we answer face. It says on our Facebook page that we answer messages very quickly. I was oh. like, hell yeah, go up. Very awesome. <laughs> but yeah, um, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter. You can email us at thebechtelcast at gmail.com and rate and review us on iTunes. And we're on SoundCloud. Ooh. And we're on Libsyn. Yeah, shout out to Aristotle. We're on yeah. SoundCloud, baby. Woo. Um, thank you so much, Nina, for being here. Yes, um, thank you, guys. Thank you, Aristotle. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. It was awesome. And was so um, reach for the stars, guys. It's a it's a hidden figures uh, joke. I know. I, 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 I got it. <laughs> I was like, are you are you going to monologue right now? <laughs> like, 
This is the famous Caitlin soliloquy hour. Yeah, yeah, just a moment of zen yeah. to end. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Yeah. Uh. Bye. Bye, gang. Toodles. Bean Dad, The Dress, Thirty to Fifty Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. Sixteenth Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, and every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.